You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, friend. I just wanted to pop in and give you a quick content warning about today's episode. We'll be talking about a cult that involves sexual assault and abuse of minors. There will be support resources and information for cult and sexual assault survivors in the show notes. If you need to skip this week's episode, please feel free to do so. And if you do, I just want to let you know to take care of yourself this week. Drink some water and I will see you next week for some weird Caligula history. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Welcome, 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 friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. And today, we're talking about something that I have no idea about, cult history. And we have a special guest, John, who is an author and the host and creator of Our Weird World podcast. And I will send it off to him because he can introduce himself better than I can. John? Yeah, thanks for that. So yeah, uh, I'm John Henson. Uh, I, like TK said, uh, I'm an author. I've written 21 books so far. I think what? maybe by the time this comes out, number 22 will come out. Yeah, I, I look, hang on. I don't, don't, it's, first of all, like I don't have a social <laughs> life, right? Like this is all I do. Right. Um, second, it probably makes more sense when you know that I'm on the autism spectrum. Uh -huh. And so this is just kind of what we do. All right. Awesome. This is our superpower. We can just put out a bunch of stuff like this. But yeah, it, most of the books around history and just weird stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And so I host a podcast called Our Weird World, where we'll talk about stuff like cults and serial killers and paranormal stuff and just all the kind of weird stories from history that often get lost. And kind of the main reason I do that is to just remind everybody that things today aren't as bad as they seem. Life <laughs> and the world has always been just a really weird and messed up place. And so when you have that kind of context, whatever the media says doesn't seem that bad. Right. Awesome. I think we all need a little bit of that in our lives. So definitely go check out John's podcast so that you can feel a little bit better about the world. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Yeah. So I would love to tell you and your audience the story of John Humphrey Noyes and the Oneida cult. Right? Okay. The, it's as far as cults go, pretty standard cult. You know, if you know anything about cults, maybe the more famous ones like, you know, David Koresh or um, Jim Jones and the People's Temple. Yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff usually revolves around religion mm -hmm. and taking uh, advantage of young children sexually, which is yeah. unfortunate, but mm -hmm. it is part of it. But this one, this story in particular has just a really odd twist to it that I think okay. may affect uh, a lot of your American listeners, maybe even, you know, anyone worldwide, mm -hmm. um, or at least their parents, um, okay. you know, at least my generation, I don't think we were affected by this, but your parents probably have a connection to this in some way. And so I will tell you that towards the end. I'm so um, intrigued. So yeah, so let's, let's just kind of jump into it here. So our main character, our main character here, John Humphrey Noyes, uh, he was born on September 3rd in 1811 in Brattleboro, Vermont. His father was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, and his mother was the aunt of President Rutherford B. Hayes, which I think would Ooh. make Noyes and Hayes cousins. 
but yeah. uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, just a <laughs> just a fun little connection there. Relatively uneventful childhood. Like, you know, normally when you have big characters like this, there's always just like some weird details in their childhood you know maybe they played with fire or they mm -hmm. liked to mutilate dead animals or something like nothing nothing like this here um closer to around like middle school high school age he attended a revival a big church service led by uh charles finney who was one of a one of the big uh proponents of i think one of the great awakenings just a big religious revival in american history and at this revival, Noyes decided that he was going to forego his career as a lawyer. He was going to follow in his father's footsteps um, and, and just be a lawyer and help a lot of people. But instead, he's like, nah, I'm going <laughs> to become I'm going to become a preacher. I'm going to become a preacher because my life has been changed. And so he decides to attend Yale Theological Seminary. <gasps> and while he's there. He decide, you know, he helps uh, New Haven, Connecticut, which is the town where Yale is located, become one of the first anti-slavery societies oh. in the United States. So he's doing a lot of good work. This is off to a great start. How Thanks, can John. things go wrong? Right. Right. <laughs> How can things go wrong? Well, while he's at Yale, noise, something happened. I don't know what happened. These details are lost to history. But noise came to believe that Jesus's second coming had already occurred, all right? So if any of your listeners are out there are unfamiliar with Christian theology, mm -hmm. uh, there's the belief that Jesus, he lived in Jerusalem, he died after three days, he rose again, and then he's gonna just come back and everybody's yeah. gonna be saved. And then Jesus and the devil are gonna have a big war. And then, you know, everybody on Jesus' side is gonna win. Well, as one does. Noise, right. <laughs> noise came to believe that Jesus had already come back, that the second coming had already occurred, and that hit at, uh, it had occurred in the year 70 CE, which coincided, I believe, with the uh, fall of Jerusalem by the Romans, okay. if I remember correctly. I believe it's not you. important. No, yeah, it's not important to the diesel. <laughs> but he did believe, though, that everyone was living in the new age that Jesus had kind mm -hmm. of vaguely mentioned in the Bible. Noise also believed that the only people who were completely free from sin and who were totally perfect were the only ones who were true Christians. All right. Now we can get into a big kind of religious debate on what's perfect and all of that, but uh, like, what's the point? Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he claimed that like man had an independent will. And because that, that independent will was given by God, everyone was a divine being. So now I'm already confused. All right. Yeah. I grew up in a religious environment. I feel like I have a pretty solid understanding of theological concepts. I have no idea what this dude's talking about <laughs> at this point. All right. John. John doesn't understand but, John. <laughs> right? Why? Well, yeah. So, so according to noise, because everyone was divine, there was no longer a need for a church to control people or to label things as sinful or, or something like that. Like, some people are perfect, but everyone's divine. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense. But yeah. you're a cult leader. You don't have to make sense. You just have to be charismatic and exactly. believe you. <laughs> so all of those things are problematic. But arguably, the most problematic element of Noise's new belief system was that he claimed that his relationship with God automatically canceled out any obligation that he had to obey 
traditional moral standards or any laws that governed society. So he's zero to a hundred immediately. He's like, I am above the law. I have this special relationship with God that makes me immune to whatever these silly little human laws are that you mortals have to obey. Right. (laughs) So obviously like that sort of thinking as fringe and, and out there as it was really bothered everybody at Yale. Like Mm. they were not on board with this. And ultimately his preaching license got revoked in 1834. Rightly so. Yeah. So in response to this noise, left Connecticut, moved to New York, where New York City, where he lived in the Five Points neighborhood, which at that time, and may still be today, it was one of the roughest, most impoverished neighborhoods in New York City. And while he's there, noise has this series of visions, quote unquote visions, mm-hmm. where and this, this is where it gets, as if it's not strange already. This I'm so excited. Really strange. Okay. Noise had a series of visions where God entered his, quote, his secret chamber. What? Where? I don't know, if that's, his, is I that don't his... know if that's his butthole <laughs> or what. I was going to ask, what cha- is, this a, is this a chamber on your body? Is this a, I guess. What, what kind of chamber because, are we talking about here? Because every time he had these visions, he felt, quote, sexually hung over the next morning. Weird. I don't. That's weird. <laughs> That's yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But he has these visions and so he's really solidified in his belief system. He moves to a small town called Putney, Vermont, where he is going to be God's prophet to everybody. The people in Putney who were fully aware of what Noise believed and all of these little visions that had happened in New York, they were not happy to see him. They did not want this weirdo coming into their small town. And, and causing a bunch of trouble. But he he still does this. He starts this church. He considers himself part of this perfectionist movement where, you know, like I said, the, the only people who are perfect or the only people who are sinless are the true Christians. And here's it like, it gets so strange because- More strange now, than it already is. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> How is this possible? <laughs> It because the the leaps in logic, I, I just I can't I can't with this guy because he starts this church and he has now decided that any woman in Putney, Vermont, that he lusted after, mm-hmm. whether they were married to someone else or maybe they just weren't interested in his <gasps> weird lifestyle at all, they were going to be his spiritual wives. And Ew. that they would one day be together in heaven. No. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, like silver linings, like he's not forcefully taking them to be his wife. He's just like, oh, she's pretty. Oh, but she doesn't want me. That's fine. We'll be together in heaven one day. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. John Noise, <laughs> please stop. Uh. <laughs> so weird i mean you're right it is a silver lining he's not actually forcing himself on people but it almost makes it i don't know yeah yeah it's just (laughs) it's it's creepy he also decides to proclaim himself the leader of all the perfectionists and he starts preaching this concept of complex marriage as if at least he's admitting that his beliefs are complex already yeah right i'm I'm happy for him at this point what's what's interesting about this though is that his his idea of complex marriage 
would later become really popular under the guise of free love in the 1960s. Oh, so, right. So in this sense, like historians kind of see him as just like this really, really progressive and open-minded kind of dude where he believed in building this community where everyone was like technically married to everyone else and that everyone mm. could have sex with each other. And it's just all out there, all out in the open, you know, no reservations whatsoever. However, this is this is where he deviates. Oh no. Here's another here's another 90 degree turn for you. Oh gosh. Noise was fine with everyone having sex with each other, but he wanted everyone to practice something called coitus reservatus. What? Which, <laughs> which means that um you can have you can have sex all you want, but you can't you, you can't get to the finish line. Right? <laughs> Okay, cool. I love that right. for John Noise. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, as soon as you get there, well, you, you got to stop. You better stop. You got to stop, right? You better oh, stop. And his reasoning, his reasoning, which is solid reasoning, like he just didn't want to litter the entire community with a bunch of babies and have a bunch oh. of kids running around, right? Okay. So, it was like birth control. Kind of, yes. Which... I mean, I don't know. I don't know the history of contraceptives. Maybe those didn't exist in the 1830s. No, they, so they had them. They, we we, we okay. just did an episode about the history of contraception a while ago. They they were there. Perfect. It was a thing. <laughs> well, maybe maybe the Christian community didn't want them to be. A no, thing. they definitely they definitely did not want them to be a thing. Yeah. And I don't think John Noyes was into that whole right. idea. No, so <laughs> probably not. So in 1838 now, Noyes actually enters into a, a legally recognized marriage. It was really more of an open marriage with this woman named Harriet Holton, which I'm pretty sure he only married her to use her inheritance, <sighs> which he then used to buy a printing press and established a newspaper for his weird little growing sex community that he called The Witness. Oh, the man. newspaper was called The Witness. Okay. And so for the next eight months, Noyes just printed a bunch of materials and propaganda for his community cult. And <laughs> he even convinced his own mother to join this cult. No, which, ew, gross. Right? So gross. Like, what, what are those conversations like? Right? I don't just know. Like, hey, mom, why don't, you, why don't you come on over here? I don't know where dad's been in this story. Maybe he's dead. Maybe I don't know where, where he is in this. But why don't you why don't you come on over and you can just you can just have free range of all of the dick in this community that you want. <laughs> like just go for it. Right? Ew. Ew. I never want to oh, go to that is, family dinner. Oh, it's gonna get even weirder. No. <laughs> there's a there's a wrinkle to that that we're gonna get to here in a second that's gonna make it even creepier. So not surprisingly, Noise's actual marriage with Harriet was not going well. By 1844, she had given birth to five children, but only one of them had survived, which is oh. just, you know, that's par for the course in the 1800s, probably. Yeah. So noise with with all of the unfortunate child death and but also his growing interest in banging everyone in his community <laughs> he decides he decides that he and Harriet should live separately from each other they can remain married but they're going to separate okay. and after several years both of them actually ended up claiming that they had never been happier with each other like all right, all right fine cool whatever works good for you <laughs> um in 1846 noise has his biggest spiritual breakthrough yet 
All right. He has come to believe that sex makes people immortal as long as they did just an absurd amount of it. Like, <laughs> like so much. And he reasoned this. He, he explains this by saying that Jesus possessed, quote, an invisible energy and that his ability to heal the sick and turn water into wine and perform all of these miracles came from, quote, no. a fluid which passed from No, him. no, yeah. no. And so <laughs> oh, noise, noise believed that people all had the same fluid. Right. No. Come. Oh, God, and, that's such a bad word. Fluid. I hate that now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he believed, I'm going to make it even more uncomfortable. He oh, believed no. that this fluid could be passed from person to person, obviously through sex. <gasps> we can kind of, we can put the pieces together as to what he Mr. Noise. Um, and so basically, if enough people could come together and, <laughs> and I didn't mean it like that, but basically <laughs> I did. Um, if come together could get and together, come together. Yeah. Right. Enough people could, could just get together and just this massive, giant Christian orgy. They could, in theory, create a giant energy force field through oh. sex that would make everyone immortal. No. No, no, no. This is not real. This is absolutely real. I'm not kidding. Oh my Here's gosh. Okay. Probably the least surprising element of this story. The following year, Noise uh -huh. was arrested for adultery. Because I, of course he would be. Because of course he was. He was having finally. sex energy orgies, okay? <laughs> yes. Finally, the authorities are onto this guy and they're like, they, they, they're trying to put a stop to him. However, rather than wait for sentencing and for other members of his community to be arrested for the same thing, Noise fled to the town of Oneida, New York, where uh, he knew of another perfectionist community that was there. And he figured that he could bring his members from Putney, Vermont, join with this new uh, with this other community in Oneida. And they did. The, the group doubled in size to 87 members by the end of 1847. And now he can just create double the, the sex force fields <laughs> with whatever they're doing. All right. <laughs> so here's what's nuts, as if it well, wasn't nuts already. I, I, like, wait, it just it, the there's just part. so many layers. It just it keeps getting better. So when excited. everyone in Oneida wasn't banging each other, like this community <laughs> actually really flourished. Like they Shut farmed the, the land. Door. They developed like several small industrial buildings. They set up a government for themselves. And this went on for the next 30 years. No, it did not. Yes. What? Right. Well, they got a sex force field. Nothing. I mean, them, that, right? I, that's true. I forgot about the sex force field. <laughs> yeah. Silly of me. <laughs> and over the next 30 years, the community grew to over 300 members and they were contributing to New York's economy by manufacturing animal traps, silk thread, and canned goods. But let's uh, seriously, that let all that's great. All right. But okay. let's not lose sight of the fact that they're all having sex with each other. Yeah. All right. And 300 strong. And this, this is, this is how they were doing it. All right. Okay. Because I know you and everybody else is yes. just dying to know how, how, what the process was here. We need to know. 
starting at age 14. <gasps> no! Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, editing TK, pop it in here really quick. This nice guy, this cult leader, absolute garbage human. Absolute garbage human. Hate everything about him. Okay, see you later, bye. Members were encouraged to start having as much sex as possible, all right? Now, Noise, he he's a smart guy, and I say that very loosely. I mm-hmm. use that term very loosely. He understood, like he understood how boys worked, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he knew that the younger boys would not be able to have the self-control that was necessary to create the immortality energy force field because obviously blowing out your baby gravy all over the place all willy-nilly <laughs> was not going to keep the force field up. That There's was a process to the sex to, force field. <laughs> right. You had to keep that fluid inside yeah. of you. Oh, gosh. Right? But mm-hmm. 14-year-olds can't do that. And so to fix that, younger boys would have a lot of practice sex with the older women in the community who had already gone through menopause and could no longer get pregnant. And I would like to take this moment. I would like to take this moment to remind you that John noise recruited his mother to join this. No, John, (laughs) even your cat can't handle it. She can't. Waffles is like, I like, I gotta get in here. I cannot. No. So his mom was still in the cult. Oh, Mm -hmm. I know waffles. I know. I I know. So for your little kitty ears. So now that's the boys, the girls Uh on the other hand. And this is where, this is where it turns into the tragic cult side in a different way. The girls were handpicked by older men to be quote cared for we know what that means so that they didn't fall in love with a younger member of the cult and just ruin everything by getting pregnant or by you know weakening the force field or anything so you have teenage boys with older women and then you have the creepy old men handpicking which of the young girls they were gonna take (sighs) care of and and help them uh you know get ready for whatever they were doing. So, Oh God, I hate everything about that. Yeah, I know. Well, in 1879, noise found out that he was about to be arrested again, this time for statutory rape. Yeah. Obviously. As he should. Yeah. Yeah. But rather than face the charges, he flees to Canada and then seemingly has this change of heart. Like maybe he finally realized like, Oh, maybe I'm the crazy one. (laughs) maybe 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 there's no such thing as an invisible sex force field that makes us all immortal who knew i mean so he writes back to his community in oneida and he tells them to completely dissolve and just go back to living a traditional lifestyle yeah what so on january 1st 1881 the community at least as it was structured dissolved all right And they instead turned themselves into a joint stock company with all of the former cult members becoming stockholders in the Oneida company. Noise would eventually die an uneventful, boring death in Niagara Falls, Ontario, seven years later. So he's out of the picture now. Thank God. Unlike other cults that normally just completely disappeared after the leader's long overdue death, Mm -hmm. the Oneida community continued to 
have a ton of success as a company. In 1899, the company began producing flatware, silverware, that proved to be extremely popular, right? It was so popular that they sold off their animal trap, their silk, their canning business to focus solely on producing silverware. And after changing their name to Oneida Limited in 1935, the company actually became one of the largest flatware producers in the entire world. And by the 1980s, yes, by the 1980s, half, half of all flatware purchased in the United States was Oneida flatware. What? Yes. So there is a decent chance that at least your American listeners at least their parents and maybe even their listeners themselves grew up eating with Oneida silverware, which came from a creepy sex force field cult. Oh my gosh. Creepy yeah. sex force field cult flatware. I'm going to call my mom. She's awake right now. <laughs> I'm going to call her yeah. and be like, check your silverware right now. If you do not have any of this silverware, go to Nana's house. She lives 20 minutes away from my mom. Check Nana's silverware and see if there's any of this creepy sex cult force field yeah. business going on. What the yeah. heck? That took so yeah. many turns. I feel like <laughs> I have did. whiplash right now. How is that 40 it minutes? Did. I feel like it's been a lifetime, but also only 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, and, and you know, eventually though, other companies, like they came around, they started making cheaper products. Oneida itself actually went bankrupt in 2006 and was sold to just a multinational conglomerate. So they don't, I don't think you can buy Oneida silverware anymore, but you can probably find it at like an antique store, secondhand thrift shop, all that kind of stuff. 2006? Yep. That is too soon. That it's is, too soon. That is too, it should have been like in 1910. It was close. Right? No. Yep. 2006? No. I re- mm-hmm. I vividly remember the year 2006. That is yeah. gross. And mm-hmm. now I need I need people to go to secondhand stores because I feel like I wouldn't be able to find any of this silverware in a secondhand store in Japan, but I might. You never know. Since it was the biggest one in the world, I feel like I need yeah. to go check. If anybody finds yeah. one, take a picture, tag me on Instagram because... I need to know. I need to see it. Wow. Yeah. So that's it. That's the story. That's craziness. Thank you, John. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know if I should say thank you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I've changed your life. Just maybe not in the best way. Truly. My life has changed. I will never look at a fork the same way ever again. Where can the people find you and more of your uh, banana sandwich history? Yeah. So uh, you can check out my website, johnhensonwrites.com, H-I-N-S-O-N. And that's got all of the stuff that I do. It's got my books. It's got a link to the podcast. It also has a link to a a waterfall site that I run because I'm just all over the place. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, check that out. Feel free to follow me on uh, socials uh, at the John Henson uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find the rest of it and find other crazy stories. Yeah. And I'll put links to all of that in the show notes below so that people can find you. Thank you so much. That was enlightening, to say the least. (laughs) No, thank you. Thank you so much for, for letting me come on and tell a story. 
Thank you so much for joining us today, friend. It sure was a whirlwind, and I'm going to need a long hot drink of chamomile tea from the historical WTF whiplash. If you've got something out of today's episode, please consider leaving a rating or review or both on your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support the podcast in other ways, you can become a patron and enjoy some fun perks like merch discount codes. And with those discount codes, you can head over and get yourself some swanky and very comfy merch. Or send me a message letting me know what you thought of this or any episode. Thank you for being a ray of sunshine. And don't forget to do something that makes you happy. Drink your water. And I will see you next week when we talk about Caligula's war on the ocean and other ridiculous shenanigans. Okay, love you. Bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Okay. (laughs) 